we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Aren't you thankful he's the same God? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give me one more praise. Come on, as you're being seated today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is so good. So good. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts 21, chapter 22. We're going to be looking into this today and talking about unforgettable, unforgettable moments, unforgettable things um, that we go through in our life. Uh, and uh, we're going to just share just a few moments. Paul is continuing his journey. We're, we're nearing the end of this. We've just got a few more chapters and we'll be through the book of Acts. And uh, then you can look at somebody and say, you, when they say they've never been all the way through the book of Acts, you say, yes, I have. Um, and I, I hope you've enjoyed the journey as much as I've enjoyed presenting this to you. And there is so much in the book of Acts that honestly I have to kind of pick and choose because there's so many uh, things that could be said about the stories of the early church and what they went through, what they faced. Um, and I am so thankful that we have this today, that we can look and see and have a representation of what the early church uh the works that they they did for the Lord. Um, Acts 21 is kind of a setup for Acts 22, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but it, it's setting up what's going on. Um, but I, just examining that thought of unforgettable moments in, in life, um, there are certain moments that are unforgettable. Many of you remember where you were at certain events that happened. Now, some of these are going to be a, 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 uh, probably from my my uh, youth, and then we're going to kind of go on in, but um, how many remembers the Space Shuttle Challenger or Columbia exploding? Um, where you were, what you were doing when you got that news? How many uh, remember the attempted assassination of President Ronald Reagan? Some may even remember the, uh, attempt, uh, the assassination of, of Kennedy. Um, terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. Uh, that some of our, our our graduates don't even they weren't even here then, but uh, who remembers where they were, what they were doing when when that happened? Unforgettable moment. How many remembers their first date, their first kiss? Um, their you know how many remembers getting married? You better remember that. Okay. Uh, how many remembers your first date, uh, your first kiss, your children being born, graduating from high school or college? Um, how many remembers the death of a loved one or a friend? It kind of resonates louder to you than other things in your life. And uh, more importantly, how many remembers the day you were saved, the day that you gave your heart to Jesus? I remember the first time I laid eyes on Tina. I remember the first time uh, uh, I, I greeted my children as they entered this world. I remember when they were born. I remember the specifics of that day. Um, I remember how I, uh, ripped my little surgical thingy and Stephanie said, don't worry about it going in there. She was working at that hospital where Paige was born 
And uh, I remember that at that time. Um, I remember the first time I preached uh, at this church, and it was in 1991. And I came here with a ministry team from the college I was at, and, and uh, Dr. Carden was the pastor at that time. So I remember preaching uh, that Sunday morning here at this church and uh, what, that, what that meant. Never did I dream that I would come back to pastor this church at that time, but I remember preaching here for the first time. Uh, there are many events throughout our lives that we will never forget. They are etched in our minds and our memories, and they are there forever. Some of those memories are painful. Some of those memories are joyous. But whatever they are, they are, they are with us, and so they're unforgettable moments. There's another day in my life that was the day my life would change forever, and I'm referring to uh, August uh, uh, Sunday, August 1978, when I gave my heart to Jesus, that will forever and was forever going to be a pivotal date in my life. Do you remember the day you were saved? Can you tell the time and can you remember the place? Uh, if you have really been saved, you, you remember those things. Now, some may have been so young, you don't remember exactly who was preaching. You don't remember exactly the songs that may have been sung. You may not have been in a church service. You may have been kneeling by a parent or grandparent uh, by bedside. But regardless, you have memories of that day. You may not remember the exact date and time, but you do remember the moment that your sins were washed away. If you remember that day, I want you to give God praise for that right now. You remember the day of your journey beginning with the Lord. In our journey through Acts, Paul is making a defense of his faith. In these verses, he is recalling moments, the moment that his life would be changed forever. In fact, God did such a work on Paul that day that it would impact the entire world. Uh, I would like, to, like for you to join Paul as he shares his testimony in, in today's message, as he gives us what he went through, what he faced, that unforgettable moment. Uh, and unforgettable moments in Paul's testimony. Um, we're going to kind of summarize real quickly. In chapter 20, 21, Paul has been uh, worshiping in the temple when he was falsely accused uh, of, being, uh, of bringing Gentiles inside the temple, which that was, you couldn't do that. That was a violation of Jewish law. A riot breaks out in uh, verses 30 through 31. And then the captain of the Roman guard broke up the riot and bound Paul with chains in verse 34 of chapter 21. Paul asked the captain for an opportunity to speak and chapter uh, 21 verses 39 through 40 then Paul shares his testimony beginning with Acts 22 verses 1 through 21 and that's where we're going to anchor today is in those uh, 21 verses today so I want you to understand that Paul has been warned about going to Jerusalem in chapter 20 he has been told or, or chapter 21 he was told if you go to Jerusalem you're going to be bound in chains as a matter of fact a prophet came and that prophet took his belt from around his robe and bound his hands and said the owner of this will be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. The church tried to keep him from going to Jerusalem, but he went anyway. Why? Because Paul had a destiny, and he knew that that destiny was to, number one, go and, and report to the disciples, the apostles, all that God had done among the Gentiles in the time that he had been away, because he had been away for years at this time. So verse 20, uh, 20 uh, or verse 1 in chapter 22 begins by saying, Brothers, 
and fathers, hear the defense that I will make before you. Now, Paul says, now I'm going to tell you, before he, you got to get the picture, he has been taken by the Roman guard. It was such a riot that had broken out that they were about to put him, they were taking him to the Roman barracks because that was the only place that they could, they could safely protect him until he would face judgment. And so Paul is asked this, why this Roman guard would listen to Paul, I don't know, but he said, can I speak to the people? And he gave him permission. He said, brothers and fathers, hear the defense. Now I'm going to make a defense of myself at this time before you. It wasn't a trial, but it was a trial by the people. Okay, He wasn't standing before the magistrates at that time. He wasn't standing before authority at that time, but he was making a defense. And when, he had, and when they had heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet, and he said. Now, we're going to bring up with what he said in a moment, but I want you to realize the brilliance of this man that God had called into ministry. He speaks several different languages. He speaks Greek in, the, in chapter 21. He speaks Greek to the Roman guard, and the Roman guards, like, you speak Greek, and then he speaks Hebrew to those who are around him, and the crowd grows silent when he begins to speak in the native language of Israel, and he begins to address them in Hebrew. Now, Paul is going to share three elements that are unforgettable moments in this chapter, and he will speak of his condition, his conversion, and his calling, and that's what we're going to explore this morning is his, his condition, his conversion, and his calling. I would like uh, to look at Paul's testimony and ask today uh, these three questions to you as well. Now, number one, do you remember your condition as we go through this? Paul begins to say, by, uh, say this, this is my condition. I am a Jew born of Tarsus of Sicily, uh, brought, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamila, which, is one of the, the, which was the greatest of all Hebrew teachers at that time, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted the way. Now you've got to understand, again, that's capitalized in the scripture. Why? Because this is how the church was referred to. They were not referred to as church. They were referred to as the way. Why? Because they followed the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. Amen. So he says, I persecuted the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness, bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to punish them. As Paul begins to make his defense, he starts at his birth and gave a brief biography of his life. He's saying, first of all, you need to understand where I come, I'm coming from. you got to know my condition. Born a Jew, he was trained at the, by the greatest rabbi of that day. He was immensely devoted to God and his and, and the law, and he was the top prosecutor of the church. In other words, he says, what you are, are, are accusing me of today, what you are fixing to try me ab uh, about is the very thing I fought against. I was one of you is what he was saying. I was upset just like you were upset, but something happened, and he's going to get to that in just a moment. Notice the, what he says in verse 3. I was zealous towards God uh, as you uh, are this day. In other words, he's saying, I was right where you're at. I was just as angry. I was just as upset at those who would follow Christ as you were, but something changed. 
his condition, his condition. You need to remember that as we move through this. We find more of the story in Philippians 3, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 5, when Paul says it this way, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor, a prosecutor, uh, a persecutor of the church, as to uh, righteousness under the law, blameless. Saul of Tarsus had a fantastic resume to consider. He possessed the religion. He was a Jew. He observed the rituals. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had the reputation of the stock of Israel. He's saying, I am of the right lineage. I am of the right birth. And then he goes on. He says, he had the, the right relation of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm not just a Jew. I know exactly who my father's 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 fathers were all the way back to Benjamin. Paul remembered where he once was. On several occasions he shared his testimony and recounts, uh, recounts uh, where he was and what happened when he met Jesus. Today I want to ask you, do you remember your condition before you were saved? Do you remember where? Do you remember how hopeless you were? Do you remember the guilt that you carried around day in and day out? Do you remember that you searched for something that could fill the void in your heart and you would fill it with whatever presented itself as an answer? Do you remember those days? Many of you were like me. You served the law of religion. I was raised in church. I Literally, you've heard that old saying, I cut my teeth on a church pew. Probably somewhere in Gastonia, North Carolina, if they still have those pews, I probably have a few teeth marks because I literally grew up from infancy all the way through. I was in church every time the doors were open. I was a pastor's kid. We didn't have an excuse. We didn't get away with anything. We were there. I was religious. Before I was saved, I was religious. Before I was saved, I could talk the talk. I could tell you all about it. Here in the Bible Belt, this is a common phenomenon. I want you to grasp the fact religion will get you nowhere but hell. That's hard preaching, but guess what? You're here this morning. Religion gets you nowhere but hell. Religion will never save your soul. Jesus said that in order to see the kingdom of heaven, we what must be born again. Jesus was not talking to people who were not religious. As a matter of fact, the, the apostles were very religious men. They had went through Hebrew school. They had graduated at age 12. The average Jewish male could tell you more about the Bible than most theologians today uh, as far as the Old Testament goes. They, they knew the word. They were religious. They they. they knew the rituals of it, but Jesus was very plain in order when he told Nicodemus, if you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. Religion is man trying to get to God. Salvation comes when, we, when God reaches down to man. I'm going to tell you, you can't be good enough. I can't be good enough to reach God. But aren't you thankful in your darkest moment, in your most desperate day, it wasn't you reaching to Him. It was Him wading through the filth of your life and rescuing you. It was Him. You can praise Him for that. Some people are at the point at that point right now. You are religious but you are not saved. You are religious but you're not saved. You can know about the Bible and not know Jesus. Amen. You can go to church and not have Jesus in your life. You can lose your religion today 
and you can leave it and place your life truly in God's hands and become born again. But if you are saved, I think it is a good thing to look back of where you once were to determine where you're going, to realize where God has brought you and what he has brought you through. So do you remember your condition this morning before Christ? If so, then we're going to go a little bit deeper. Amen? You remember where you were and where he brought you out of. Do you remember, number two, do you remember your conversion? Paul goes on and shares, in, beginning with uh, verse 6 through 13, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into the Damascus, and there you will be told all that, the, all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by, the hand, by hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the, all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. Sometimes, uh, sometimes, uh, some time has passed since his conversion on the Damascus Road. But Paul remembers very intently and precisely what happened on that day. In other words, he recalls it as if it happened just the previous day. It is an interesting note that the great details that Paul uses in his testimony, if you compare Acts 9, the original account where it first happens, and Acts 22 where he shares it again, and then Acts 26, you will find that they are basically, they are all carbon copies of each other. He remembers the place as I journeyed on my way to Damascus. He remembers the time about noon. He remembers what he saw. Suddenly there shone around me a great light, and it was all around me with a voice. He remembered what he heard, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Most importantly, he remembers who he met. And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. I've been saved for 43 years, and I remember the day like it was yesterday. I remember that day when I was in a, a, a large meeting with a bunch of people, People and I was sitting between my mom and dad because if I didn't sit between my mom and dad, I usually got in trouble. And so I was bored to death. I was absolutely just tired of church. We had been there several days by then. We had been to every session of that conference. And I was sitting there just thinking, when is this thing going to be over? Every kind of distraction I had tried to have, mom and dad had stopped. So there I was sitting, and all of a sudden people began to rejoice and praise God. My mom and dad were standing on their feet, praising and rejoicing in the Lord. There were thousands of people on their feet, praising and rejoicing the Lord and in the Lord and something got a hold of my heart something got a hold of my eight-year-old heart and said you need to get Jesus in your life I began to cry and my mom thought my dad had got on to me and dad thought mom had got on to me finally they were conversing with each other what did he do now you might have figured I was a handful by now 
And my mom looked at dad and said, I didn't get on to him. Dad said, I didn't get on to him. So dad knelt beside me and he said, son, what's wrong? And I can remember those words. I said, I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my life. I want you to know I remember that day as if it happened yesterday. 43 years ago, I can recount detail after detail of that day because it was the day a dead boy came to life. It was the day my life would never be the same again. It was the day I would be transformed by the power of the cross and that transformation has continued for 43 years and hopefully till the day I die or the rapture takes place. Do you remember the day? Do you remember the time? Do you remember the place? What about you? Do you remember your conversion? I'm not asking about your religion. I'm not asking about if you attend church regularly. I'm not asking you if you study your Bible. I'm not asking you if you give of your finances and even give of your time. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized in water. I want to know today. I want an honest, honest answer. Have you been born again? Has your life been changed by the power of Jesus? If so, give him a praise today. Give him a praise. Come on. The word conversion means a change in a change in maturity. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. When Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he did not continue to persecute the Christians after that day. After that day, he would never once again give a railing accusation against the people of God. Once he would never from that day try to imprison those who served Jesus. His life was changed at that moment. Every aspect of his life was changed at that moment. His mission, his purpose for living was all changed at that moment when he said yes to Jesus. He went from being the greatest enemy of the church to serving God and bringing people into the family of God. If you have prayed a prayer, went through a baptism of water, joined some church, and there has never been a change in your lifestyle, listen to me again, there's never been a change in your lifestyle, there's never been a change in your actions, then you went through the motions. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life this morning and lay aside religion and take up a relationship with Him. Amen. Amen. You need to ask yourself, am I saved? If you can be honest and say, Pastor, I have never truly been saved, then you have taken the first step. Now I want to beg you to fully surrender your life to Jesus. Fully give your heart to the Lord. Fully give over to who He is. Maybe you are here and you, you, you can say without a doubt, you remember your conversion. You remember the day that you were saved. You remember when Jesus came into your life. The third thing I want to ask you is, do you remember your calling? You see, Paul remembered his calling also. He shares his calling in the next few verses, in verses 14 through 21, and he said, the, the, good, the, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his voice from his mouth. For you will be witnesses for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, what do you, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. 
And I said, Lord, they themselves know that, it, it, that in one synagogue after another, I, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. I want you to hear that. Wow. Paul understood his calling. He's saying, listen, he said, I was there. I was responsible for the death of Stephen. I was responsible. He still recounts that event. It's still very real in his mind. These are unforgettable moments in his journey. He recounts that moment when he stood and he watched over the coats as they stoned Stephen to death and silenced the witness of his voice. However, they never silenced the witness of Stephen. Amen. You know, they can silence your voice, but they can't silence your, your reputation. They can't silence who you are. What will be said of you one day? Well, what, what kind of reputation will you? Here we are years after Stephen's death and Paul saying, I approved of it then. That's a shameful moment in my life, but I know that God redeemed me. And you know, I, I believe one day, you know, tradition says Paul would be beheaded later on. And when Paul loses his head, I, 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 you know, he, he, he is beheaded and executed. I believe that first of all, standing there to greet him was, was Jesus. I really do. But I think not far behind was Stephen. Oh my goodness. I don't think not far behind was Stephen saying, listen, Paul, you was doing what you thought was right, but look what God has done in your ministry, in your life. Look what's gone. You realize that, that Stephen's sacrifice is spoken of more than anybody else's besides Jesus in the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. So Paul recounts it and he says, I was there and the Lord spoke to me and said, you have to go. You have to go to the Gentiles. It is Paul's testimony. He sh in Paul's testimony, he shares who he was before Jesus. He shares in great detail the moment that he met Jesus. Now he shares what Jesus wanted him to do. And Jesus said in Acts 9.15 at Saul's, Saul's conversion, but the Lord says to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry the, my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. It is amazing to see Jesus choose what Jesus chooses to accomplish his work. Amen. I think of that every day when I look in the mirror. It's amazing what Jesus chooses. <laughs> you ever think of that? You ever look at yourself and think, why would Jesus choose somebody like me? Why I'm just glad to be saved. I'm just glad that I'm going to heaven. But he has not just called you. He, he, he has not just placed you in the kingdom to, to make it by. He has called you for a purpose and a reason. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Jesus looked at Saul of Tarsus, a man fervently opposed to Jesus and his church, and said, I'm going to use this man. How many of us, if we were there and alive that day, would have ever dreamed, if we had been there when Stephen had been murdered, how many of us would have dreamed that God would take that man who stood there by arrogantly watching them take the life of this beloved man, that God would one day turn his life around and use him for Jesus? Guess what? There's a lot of us that people would say, God could never use them, but you're here today. You're here today, and God is saying, I I want to use you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your old reputation is. I've, aren't you thankful God redeems our reputation? Oh my goodness, aren't you glad that God redeems who you once were? Praise the Lord. 
The very man who wanted to destroy the church more than anything was being used to spread the gospel, not just to Jerusalem, not just to Judea, but to the entire world. In fact, God is still using Paul Paul today. Every time we open up the scripture, every time we read of the amazing things that he wrote to the church and the things that he said under the anointing of the Spirit, it is still the continued work of Paul on this earth. Jesus saved him and set him apart to do a great work. Amen? Jesus still does the same today. God has never saved anyone just to warm up a seat in the church. I want to say that again. God did not save you just to warm up a seat in the church. We are saved to serve. We are redeemed so that we might fulfill a purpose. There's a work for each and every one of us to accomplish for Jesus. Some of you have received specific callings of God in your life, but you have refused to surrender to that calling. You are walking on dangerous ground, and I want to warn you, God has not forgotten what he's called you to do. Amen. I know it's getting quiet, but you need to hear me today. Some of you have it in your mind. You're thinking of it just, I can't, I can't accomplish that. I can't do that. And God has assigned you to do it. I want to remind you, if he called you to do it, if he, if he called you to it, he will equip you to do it. Amen? He will equip your life to fulfill everything he's called you to do. There is not one saved person that has any excuse not to serve the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and mind. Romans 12, verses 5 through 8 says it this way. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, having gifts and differ, that, that differ according to grace given to us. Let us, let us use them. If, if prophecy in proclamation of the faith, in ser, if service in our serving, the one who teaches his, in his teaching, the one who extorts, exhorts, exhort, uh, use exhortation, the one who contributes, do it with generosity, the one who leads, do it with zeal, the one who does acts of, of mercy. Do it with cheerfulness. If God has given you leadership abilities, take that responsibility seriously. If God has given you gifts of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There is some of us who want to serve the Lord, but things seem to be beneath us. Do not look at anything that God lays before you as beneath you, but look at it as service unto the King and do it with your whole heart for those who are faithful and little will be made faithful over much. God wants to use you, but you got to start somewhere. There are some who used to visit others who were in need, but now we are inactive. Visit those again. There are some, never a shortage of work to do in the church. There's never a shortage of kingdom ministry. There is always something that needs to be done, and God is calling us to it. I was called to preach in 1990. Every single day, I know that God has called me to preach the word. I have never doubted that calling. I've never questioned that calling. But I have walked in it every single day. I have not always been the person that he called me to be, but I've always strived to be working in that calling. If you know what God has called you to do, then do it with all of your heart. As we listen to Paul's testimony, testimony, I want you to notice that the story was real to him. This story was something that was real and true to him. This was not somebody else's story. This was his story. Do you realize you've got a story worth sharing? You've got a testimony worth giving. You have somebody that you can reach for the Lord. I am so thankful for what happened here last Sunday night. And if you missed last 
last Sunday night. I, I really hate it. You missed it because I've not been in a service like that or a time of celebration like that in years. Three and a half hours is how long we were in here. We did a prayer line. And my, what moved me more than anything is because that's all we knew is God, Tina, Tina had come to me and said, I feel like we need to do a prayer line at family reunion night. All I know, all I know is that it was our young people that started the line. Nobody told them to go through it. Nobody prodded them to go through it. Nobody begged them to go through it. But they began. And as they began, the power of God began to hit each and every one of them. As everybody, I'm telling you, three and a half hours. You say, I don't think I'd have made it. How many of you that were there, it didn't feel like no three and a half hours. It didn't feel like we were there no time. Why? Because we were in the presence of the Lord. But I've got news for you. God did not bring us through that experience for us just to rejoice over the experience. He was empowering us and equipping us to do what He has called us to do. So do it, church. Go out there and do what He's called you to do. Amen. This man knew what had happened to him. He knew exactly that he had met Jesus. Paul's experience was unforgettable. What about us? Do we remember our condition this morning? Where we were before Jesus. Do we remember our conversion? Do you remember when it happened? And do we remember what he called us to do? Are you certain of your salvation? Eternity is forever. We're spending it somewhere. Somewhere. Either in heaven or in hell. If you're not 100% sure of your condition, your conversion, and your calling, I'm not asking, I'm begging you this morning. Don't leave here until you know that you know Jesus. Maybe today could be an unforgettable moment in your life. I want you to stand. Maybe today could be unforgettable. I've had a lot of unforgettable moments. Some of them good and some of them bad. But my best moments, my most unforgettable moments in my life have been the times I have encountered Jesus. Not just when I was saved as a child. But I remember as a freshman in college, thinking I had it all figured out, or hoping I did. <laughs> How God began to deal with my life. And I remember kneeling in my dorm room by my bed and though I was saved I begged God to strip the religion out of me I remember saying God I don't want to believe anything unless it's from your word strip it all out of me I'll never forget the Holy Spirit's words in my mind, which was simply this. You chose me as a child. Now I ask you to choose me as a young man.
I ask you all over again, will you serve me? Will you surrender? And there, I lifted my hands with nobody else there but Jesus and said, I am yours. No matter what you want, I'll do it. I surrender. No more religion. I want to pursue relationship. We're all called to do something, church. My question is, will we acknowledge that? If you're not saved in this room, maybe you've been going through the motions of religion. There is no shame in that. The shame is not reacting and saying, you know what, I really want to go to heaven. We're going to baptize next Sunday. I know it's Mother's Day, but I can't think of another way to celebrate than to have a birth and a resurrection. Amen? Two of our young people want to get baptized next Sunday. We're going to do it. But if they're not surrendered to Jesus... It's a ceremony. That's all it is. God is not into anything but changing our lives completely. So this morning my question is, who's ready to be available and surrendered to Jesus with no strings attached? No conditions. I meet people all the time, they put conditions on God. Well, Lord, I'll serve you if you'll do this, this, and this. No matter what the condition, we've got to be willing to serve Him. No matter what we face, we've got to be willing to serve Him. This altar's open. I wonder if there's anybody that would say, I'm ready to give it all to Jesus. My future plans, my hope, my desires, everything I am, I'm ready to lay it out here and say, God, you do with me what you want to do. Lord, I surrender my life to you. If that's you, I want you to come. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.